Dear Lord, thank you for this day. Thank you for your love, guidance, for your precious word. We look forward to the manna from heaven, your precious word that you have for us today. Help us to take it into our hearts and to nurture it, that it cause you cause it to be, to take root and bear fruit in our lives. In Jesus' name, Amen. Thus saith the Lord, Ask me of things to come concerning my sons and concerning the work of my hands. Command ye me. I sort of ended with that last week from Isaiah 45, 11, from the King James, which I believe is the only one that really has it right, or the Young's Literal Translation. But I said that what God has done for us through the atonement of Jesus Christ that there are spiritual laws governing everything to do with Christians this life and governing God's actions and these laws are at our command as children of God All the power that's been placed in our spirit as born-again Christians. All the promises and provision of God have been granted to us through Jesus' atonement. And we have to learn how to cooperate with these spiritual laws in order to be successful in our Christian walk. We have to learn to act on the word. And the promises of God. In faith. And I used the example last week of. Us having to flip the light switch. After the light company. Provides power to the building. And the wiring is done. And all the everything's in place. They're not going to come out and flip the switch for us. We have to learn to flip the switch. And it's, it's by faith that we do this. Turn to Hebrews chapter 12. The first few verses I want to look at. And I think it's going to bless you. Hebrews, way in the back. All right. Tell me when you got it. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Does anyone have the King James?
Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 through 3, King James Version. It says this, Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, here's what I, here's where they made some changes. Let us lay aside every weight and the sin which doth so easily beset us. And let us run with patience the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. For consider him who endured such great contradiction of sinners against himself, lest ye be wearied and faint in your minds. And in the English Standard Version, it says here, Consider him who endured from sinners such hostility against himself, so that you may not grow weary or faint-hearted in your struggle against sin. Let me just say this. In the verses 1 and 3, or the ones that I want you to, to focus on, he's talking about, he says, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which, so, which distracts us or besets us. It's a singular sin that he's talking about. <clears throat> and if you look down in verse 3, He's, he's, telling, he's giving us the instructions. And then he says here, so that we not grow weary or faint-hearted or lest you be weary and faint in your minds. That's the word faint-hearted, faint in your mind. That's what I'm looking at. That's the sin that he's really focusing in on because he's saying, Set, set this aside unless this happens. Here's what, or you will be caught up in it. And the, and the sin that he's talking about is this sin of being faint-hearted or discouraged. Fainting in your mind is discouragement. And so I want to look today at this sin of discouragement because I, I've been, I told you we're going to continue to discuss how we can walk in greater power and victory in the Christian life. And then how we need to act in faith. And there are lots of things that we need to learn to cooperate with God's spiritual laws that will help us stay positioned to receive all that he has for us. And nothing that the devil has for us. Amen? Amen. Remember Jubilee. This Jubilee that is eternal that we've entered into. Not once, not one year out of 50. But one day out of one day. Every day. To, this is the day the Lord has made. And this is the day of Jubilee for us. Because we've entered into an eternal Jubilee. Through the atonement of Jesus Christ. 
where we get back everything the devil took and we give him back everything he took, uh, he gave us. All the aspects of the curse go back to the devil. All the blessings stay on us. Amen. Amen. It's easy to get discouraged in this life. But we have to quit going by what we see, don't we? We were just talking about this. That's interesting. Because God says, my righteous, that's you and me, all who are born again and know the Lord shall live by faith. There's a great scripture in Psalms 34, verse 19. It says, many are the afflictions of the righteous. Now, let's just stop right there on the first part. Because that's where most Christians stop. <laughs> are you with me? Many are the afflictions of the righteous. We know that, don't we? Nobody's disagreeing with that. Jesus said, in this world, you're going to have trouble. But he also said, that's okay. Because I've overcome the world. And what is it that we have that overcomes the world? Our faith. So Psalm 34, 19 says, Many are the afflictions of the righteous. We know that, and that's true. We're not denying that. A lot of bad things happen to good people. This is a fallen world and sin has corrupted this world and there's a lot of negative things going on in this world. But if you stop right there and you don't finish that scripture, you're just like the world because all they talk about are the afflictions of the righteous. And well, if you don't know the Lord, frankly, you're not righteous. But they just think if you do good, you're, you're good. As long as you do good, better than the Christian that lives next door, you're okay. Which is not true. It all has relationship with Jesus Christ. It has everything to do with our relationship with Jesus Christ. Accepting Him as our Lord and Savior. And that's what makes us righteous. With His righteousness, not with our own. But the second half of that scripture. Yes. Many are the afflictions of the righteous. But it goes on to say, but the Lord delivers him out of them all. How many of them? Oh. Now listen. If we're learning how to live a life of faith and how to speak power and speak life and to speak blessing into the situations and circumstances that come against us, there's a good promise right there. Take that scripture and make it your own. Because God has instructed us in Isaiah 45 to command him regarding the things concerning us. Regarding his sons. In other words, put him in remembrance of all the things that he has said regarding us and hold him to it. He loves that. He's not insulted. When you say, God, you said, he says, what? What did I say? He wants to hear it. 
He loves to hear it. Because that's faith. Because you're saying, I trust you, Father. Now, some people go too far and they say, I trusted you. You said this and you let me down and you don't love me. Don't do that. That, Because faith works by what? Love. And if you forget the love that he has for you and you start to deny the love that he has for you and you start to blame God for the things the devil has done, you will corrupt your faith and your doubt and unbelief will be playing that physical, spiritual tug of war and you will not receive the things that you're believing for or that you say you're believing for because you're not even believing in the love of God. If you don't believe in the love of God, how can you have faith in God? We don't need to doubt God's goodness. That's what happened to them in the garden. Don't doubt God's intentions towards you. They're good. I know the thoughts I have towards you, says the Lord. Thoughts of good and not of evil. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. To give you hope and a future. Jeremiah 29, 11. But we know right there, just like with most scriptures, people stop too soon. Because right there in Jeremiah 29, doesn't it go on in verses 12 and 13? It says, you will seek me and find me when you seek me with your whole heart. He said, then you'll come and I'll show you wonderful things that you didn't know. That's a good place to be. You're never going to outgive God. When you feel like you're wasting your time praying, you feel like you're wasting your time and being foolish, praying in the Spirit, you feel like you're wasting your time by pushing hard and getting yourself to church when that morning has not been very good to you, you are not ever going to outgive God. And you're going to, the rewards that you receive, I tell people all the time, and the only physical example that I know of because it was always true with me when I had the discipline to go to the gym was I was never sorry I went sometimes it was very hard to go (laughs) well it's even a greater reward in the spiritual sense because Paul says in the Bible that physical exercise is profitable It does some good, he said. But spiritual exercise is good for everything concerning us. Amen. Amen. There's health and fitness in the Word. You can speak that. If you, as a child of God, will just come to terms with the fact that you are His child and that everything that He has is yours and at your disposal... For the mature believer, in other words, while we're a child, the heir, everything that belongs to that family or to that father, belongs to that child. But while he's a child, the Bible says, he's still just like a slave. Because it's all... It's all in an estate for him. It's all, it's all uh, taken care of by an overseer, by someone else who's watching out for him while he's too immature 
to be entrusted with all of that money or all of that authority. Amen. (laughs) Same with us. Everything God has is ours. But while we're walking around in our spiritual diapers, why would He give us something that would destroy us or destroy others? So He's looking for growth here. He's looking for children that cease to be children and begin to walk in their authority as sons and daughters. You're still his child, technically, but you've grown up a little bit. And now you're ready for some things. You're getting past the milk of the word and you're getting into the meat, into the spiritual truths that govern Everything concerning us in this world. And you've come to terms to believe that I don't just talk a lot like I used to. I don't just run my mouth like I used to. Well, why not? Well, because I've, I've come to realize that my words are powerful. I'm a creative being with all the power of the kingdom of God at my disposal. And out of my mouth, I'm creating my future and the future of those around me. And I take it seriously. That's what a a mature son or daughter begins to say. That's the way they begin to talk and think. Just like when when a a policeman or a a soldier is trained with their weapon and they learn about doing battle and and taking out the opposition, well, they don't just go around like they did when they were toddlers and and uh, in elementary school playing games and bang bang and and shooting at each other and aiming guns at each other and stuff like that and no they begin to take that very seriously and they begin to understand the gravity of the responsibility and the duty that they have with that powerful instrument that they've been given to do that job and they begin to pray that they will never have to harm anyone. But if they're called to, that they will do their duty and be brave and that they will protect and serve, you see? And then the full weight of that at some point really comes upon them if they're really diligent and they want to be good at what they do and they want to be a blessing and they, they realize this is a... This is a big responsibility. And it's the same way for Christians. The problem is God has so many running around in their spiritual diapers. And they, these are the, you can go to churches and you see, I was here three years ago and 
And the same three people were up there crying at the altar. And it, I'm pretty sure it was the same thing that they're, they're asking for prayer for now. Well, God bless them. God loves them. But they're so broken and refusing to receive the help, the healing, the empowerment, the love and prosperity that God has for them that they're still not ready to help anyone else. It's easy to get discouraged. There's a lot of hard things in this life. But we have to quit going by what we see. We're called to a life of faith. And we have to learn to govern these spiritual laws concerning us. And when we get discouraged, we're doing the opposite. Satan has not given up trying to influence us in our lives in uh, Luke chapter 10 Jesus has given us authority over the power of the devil notice that I say the power of the devil because we don't have authority over Satan do we but we have authority to keep him from having power and authority in our lives because he has none unless we give it to him so we have a power over the works of the enemy Luke ten nineteen. Jesus said, Behold, I have given you authority to tread on serpents and scorpions. Now, these are demonic um, references, okay? I can show you through the word where serpents and scorpions and these things that he's referring to, he's talking about demons, okay? Behold, I've given you authority to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy. You see that? So we have power over Satan's power. And nothing shall hurt you. Nevertheless, do not rejoice in this, that the spirits are subject to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. And I think that's a great correlation, because until we rejoice and, and, and make it our own, that our names are written in heaven. We are children of God. We are maturing children of God, young adults, if you would. In the kingdom of God. And he's our father and he loves us. And yes, of course, because of that, yeah, we have authority over the power of the enemy. Why wouldn't we? You see? So you see how the correlation is there? Because if I just tell a Christian, you have, you have a power over all the bad stuff that's happening in your life. They're like, yeah. But what makes them... What, what ignites that in their spirit and in their hearts and in their minds? What, what ignites that truth in their lives so that they begin to believe it? When they really believe that God loves them and that they belong to Him and that they are heirs with Christ of everything that God has. And that we don't have to wait till we get to heaven. Yeah, we have to wait till we get to heaven to see the mansion that He's prepared for us. Yes, we have to wait till we get to heaven to walk on the golden streets. Yes, we have to... Wait till we get to heaven to see the river flowing from the throne. But we don't have to wait till we get to heaven to be free of all the curses of the enemy in this life and to help others to be free as well. I came, Jesus said, that you could have life and have it more abundantly to the full. So we have power over Satan's power. 
But the problem is we can't give up. We can't get discouraged. We can't faint in our hearts, in our minds, like it says in Hebrews chapter 12. That's the sin of discouragement. The sin of fainting in our mind, in our hearts. The the sin of quitting too soon. Galatians. Well, actually, something else comes to mind. Look in Ecclesiastes chapter 3. Ecclesiastes, I don't go there very often, but you should. Ecclesiastes chapter 3, this is a familiar passage of scripture, time for everything. You've all heard it, right? But the 11th verse says that God has made everything beautiful in its time. Also, he has put eternity into man's heart, yet so that he cannot find out what God has done from the beginning to the end. God has made everything beautiful in its time. Something that anyone that is involved with cattle, cows, cattle business, um, comes to learn when they're dealing with those cows is that slow is fast. And I can just give you an example. If you have, if there's some cows I can see out the window of the church, so there's horses over there. If you go and you try to take those animals and you, and you rush up on them and you're trying to corral them, and you walk up with them and you try and tell them go over there, they're going to go and run the other way. And you're going to be a long time getting them after you spook them like that. So with working cattle, slow is fast. So in other words, if I got some over here and I want them to go that way, I might tell somebody to stand over there and they need to be really still. Just their presence is enough. If they start waving their hands around and moving and talking... That can be way too much at the time. And then I might just take a step or two this way. And then they'll start, they won't be comfortable anymore. And they'll, and you're working them that way. Mm-hmm. And I might raise a hand or something like this. I might take one step in. If I'm getting spooked, I might step back. Mm-hmm. Slow is fast. Mm-hmm. And just, and it's a little while, they're going to do what you want. Mm-hmm. And this way you can do a whole lot with just a few people if you work smart and not hard. But slow is definitely fast. And it's the same way with God. He makes everything beautiful in its time. Not in our time. That's the problem. <laughs> and I've shown you through the teachings that we have through, through Daniel that there is time in the spiritual realm. Daniel prayed one time and three weeks later the angel showed up and he said from the time you prayed God sent me in other words, God granted that prayer immediately. But he was, he was opposed in the heavenlies and he had, to, he had a battle. And the archangel Michael had to come and help him. And then he finally broke through and he got there to, to give uh, Daniel the answer. So there's time in the spiritual realm just like there is here. And there's things going on that we may not know or be aware of. 
But all the promises of God in Christ are what? Yes and amen. That means if you are praying according to God's will, which if you know God's word, then you will know his will. That's why it's so important that we study the word and be students of the word to be real disciples. Because we can't really have a relationship with with Jesus if we don't have a relationship with the word. Because he is the word made flesh. Amen. Amen. So it's so important that we know not only the wiles of the devil. Because James said resist the devil and he will flee from you. And so many don't know who and what to resist. Because they don't know when it's the devil and when it's God. And they've been taught that all the bad things that happen to them that God is doing to them. And so why would you fight? You know. I tell people that we don't believe in healing. What do you go to the doctor for? Well, you, if you think that God is putting something on you to teach you a lesson, then what are you, what are you going to the doctor for, you sinner, you rebel? You know? <laughs> it just doesn't make sense, does it? <laughs> well, slow is fast. And with the ministry of the Holy Spirit, I think you'll find that it's the same way. Um. Have you ever been to a car dealer? I use this example a lot. And, and they tell you, or any salesman, maybe a salesman came to your house to try to sell you something. They give you the big dog and pony show. And then when you say, okay, well, we're going to think, well, if you do it today, we're going to do it. In other words, they start to take away from you. It's the old sales tactics. And they, in other words, if you don't do it today, it's going to cost you. And they try to pressure you into doing something. Well, with me... Now that I know God and I know have the ministry of the Holy Spirit and what is supposed to be our umpire? What are we supposed to be led by in our decision making? Peace. So when someone does that to you and puts stress on you like that, what I say is, oh, thank you. And oh, okay, you ready to sign? No, you just helped me in my decision making process because now you're out. And, And so the field is narrowed. I'm out. Yeah. My God doesn't work that way. And the fact that you try to do that, it's you lack integrity. And I don't want to deal with you. <laughs> because that's not the way God works. And so if there's no peace, walk away. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid because God will make everything beautiful in His time. Not our time. Ministry of the Holy Spirit, there is peace. And that's why I always encourage... With, especially with married married folks, is that you need to be praying together. You need to be talking together. So many times, we as husbands especially, have real problems with sharing properly our visions on what God has shown us or what we believe God wants us to do or the, the visions that we have. And because of it, there's turmoil sometimes in the marriage. And really what it boils down to is she really doesn't understand what we're believing for what we're saying she might be seeing it another way and how can she know or agree with you until you have shared properly your vision or what god has told you to do i found that when i when i just sit down sometimes savannah doesn't savannah doesn't like to know a lot of stuff about technical things or or a lot of the financial things but no matter what i sit down every few days or every week especially if there's anything going on or anything new and I tell her I make her listen and she's like she's like oh god you know it's like 
It's like, but she understands that I'm telling her because I want her to be aware of everything. I don't want anyone ever to be able to tell my wife anything about us or me or anything to do with us that she doesn't already know. And so because she knows that and she knows I'm telling her because I love her, I tell her things like, not because I'm good, you know, we, we're convinced that both of us, the, the Lord's coming back for us. Amen. And we're not going to ever be sick. We're not going to die sick. And uh, we're just convinced that uh, he's going to come back before we even go on. But, uh, you know, minimum 120. You know, Moses was 120. His natural strength was not abated, nor his eyesight dimmed. And we have a better covenant with better promises. So why not? But I tell her things just like as if I wasn't going to be there tomorrow. If something were to happen like that. You know, this is here, this is that, this is this, here's all the codes for this. I do the stuff like that. Not because I'm fearful or that I'm worried, but I just, you know, you know, things happen. And, and uh, you know, heck, who knows what, what the situation might be. But there's, there are times when she's glad that I told her those things because she remembers. And it might be something that she has to put her hands on right away. And uh, I'm not around at the time. Anyway, there's a power in agreement, and, and that's the most powerful relationship as husband and wife in this world. That's why the devil hates marriage so much. You see, the corrupt world that we live in, so, so much demonic activity. He's, he's very much entrenched, the enemy is very much entrenched in Hollywood, in entertainment, in, uh, in politics, and in, in all these things. And so, we need to be aware um, and uh, what to fight against and where our power is. And the relationship between a husband and wife is the most powerful relationship second to your relationship with God. And to make it powerful, we have to make sure that He is at the center of that relationship. Amen? God is all about relationships. When we stand before Him, we're not going to be judged so much on the works that we did and things like that, but on our attitudes and relationships. And I think it's important that we remember the power of those things because if one can put a thousand to flight and two, ten thousand, then God is a God of multiplication and we need to be aware of that as well. Okay, now I want to just touch on this Galatians 6, verse 9. Are y'all getting this today? It's, 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 isn't it important to, to prepare ourselves against the things that tempt us all the time because we know the power that is there and the benefits that we will reap from God when we when we uh, when we resist the enemy amen Amen. Galatians verse uh, chapter 6 verse 9 Galatians then Ephesians Philippians after first and second Corinthians Galatians chapter 6 boy Look at my Galatians, and this is a fairly new Bible for me, but <laughs> everything is underlined. <laughs> I've got one that I have to have in a bi- big binder because if I it's in fifty pieces, the Bible is. <laughs> Those are <usually> <laughs> you know what's that saying? Someone has a Bible that's falling apart. Usually has a life that isn't. <laughs> Galatians six, verse nine. And let us not grow weary in doing good. There we go again. <clears throat> Don't get discouraged. Don't 
Don't give up. Let us not grow weary in doing good, for in due season we will reap if we do not give up. So, there's a few things right there. That Wow, that ties right into Ecclesiastes 3. No wonder the Lord showed me to go there. Everything in its time He has made beautiful. Not our time, His time. So, what is one of the fruit of the Spirit? Another, another thing is not just peace, but patience. Patience is one of the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faith, gentleness, or meekness, and self-control. All of those are characteristics of God, of the Holy Spirit. So when, we, when we're looking at something to determine if it's God or not, if it doesn't have any of those characteristics, then we say, that's not God. And so those are, those are easy things to bounce off of the wall to see, hey, let me think. Uh, I don't see this as God because, first of all, I don't have any peace. <clears throat> and second of all, there's too much of a pressure. There's too much stress involved here. There's, this doesn't seem like God. Sometimes stress is a good thing in the sense that it causes us to get up off our butts and do something. <clears throat> but you know the difference, don't you? Amen. Galatians 6, 9 says, so don't grow weary. Don't give up. <clears throat> Discouragement always comes when we take our eyes off of Jesus, doesn't it? But I want to tell you, in all my life, thinking back from before I knew God and since, self-pity is always a killer. It is never a positive thing. It never brings about the results that people want. When people feel sorry for themselves, what are they wanting? They're wanting sympathy. They're wanting people to do the things that they want to bring about all the things that they were wanting or believing for when and how they wanted them, right? The problem is, if you try, you can think of people in your life and hopefully you're not one of them, that has always suffered from self-pity. They're always the victim. And put it another way. And our culture is breeding the victim mentality now. But what that does, it breeds self-pity and entitlement and all these demonic things that really cause the opposite to happen in your life. So I feel sorry for these young people who are being taught to feel sorry for themselves and feel entitled because what they're doing is opening doors for the devil to come in and especially when they don't know God and they're not learning how to cooperate with the, the spiritual laws of God like you are and they're not, they don't understand the wiles of the enemy and how to resist him and how to believe God then he will go in and eat their lunch and pop the bang. It's not even a, an option. <clears throat> Self-pity is always a killer. Let's look at one example of that. And then I'll probably cut you loose. Unless you want me to keep going. Let's look all the way back in the beginning. Probably the first good example. Or the second. Genesis chapter 4. Genesis chapter 4, the first book of the Bible, the fourth chapter. You know the story of Cain and Abel? Mm -hmm. 
I just want to read, starting at the first verse, and I'll just read down to probably the 11th. Now Adam knew Eve, his wife, and she conceived and bore Cain. They had a child. You, have you heard me refer to that scripture before when I'm talking about John 17, 3? When, it, when Jesus gives us the definition of eternal life? Jesus is praying to the Father on that faithful night of His betrayal. And He says, Father, this is eternal life. That they know You, the one true God, and Your Son, Jesus Christ, whom You have sent. When He says they know You and Me, the word He used there is the same word He used right here when He said Adam knew Eve and they conceived and had a child. It's a passionate, intimate relationship. Of course, not sexual, but you get the point. That he has, that is the meaning of eternal life with him, is us knowing him in that way. So if you know him in that way, you know your Father God as Abba, Daddy, and you know Jesus as, as the friend who sticks closer than a brother, as God with you, as God in you, why wouldn't you be able to say, Dad, you said, and believe him for it? Why wouldn't you be able to talk to Him that way? Why wouldn't you rush boldly into the throne room of grace that you might obtain mercy and find favor in the time of need? We need that confidence and not to be discouraged, not to be dismayed or faint in our mind, in our hearts. Adam knew Eve, his wife, and she conceived and bore Cain, saying, I have gotten a man with the help of the Lord. And again, she bore his brother Abel. Now Abel was a keeper of sheep and Cain a worker of the ground. In the course of time, Cain brought to the Lord an offering of the fruit of the ground. And Abel also brought of the firstborn of his flock and of their fat portions. So they both bring offerings to God from whatever it is that God has given them, whatever they produce from what they do. Cain was a farmer and Abel was a, um, a sheep herder. And so Cain brought some of the, the fruit of, of what he had uh, harvested. And Abel brought the sheep, a sheep that he had, uh, a lamb that he had uh, raised. Uh, and so, so far, it's okay. They're just given of whatever he's given them, they're bringing him an offering. So, so far, so good. And Abel also brought of the firstborn of his flock and of their fat portions. And the Lord had regard for Abel and his offering. But for Cain and his offering, he had no regard. So Cain was very angry and his face fell. Look, discouragement. Mm -hmm. His face fell. That's what it meant. Mm -hmm. And what is it? It brought anger and he got discouraged. The Lord said to Cain, this is what a lot of people miss. The Lord said he tried to reason with Cain, even though he was doing something he shouldn't have. He, he was involved in this sin of discouragement, and he got angry, which is also a sin to, to the Lord. But he said, why are you angry? And why has your face fallen? Why have you gotten discouraged? If you do well, will you not be accepted? And if you do not do well, sin is crouching at the door. Its desire is for you, but you must rule over it. So we all have that 
conscience within us, then we know it's that part of us that knows right from wrong, unless it's defiled in the sense that we've had wrong teaching and doctrine and all that. But the, even if our conscience is, is guilty, then God is greater than our conscience. And we can always run to our Father with a guilty conscience. And He will help us and forgive us if we have sinned. And He'll get us straightened out and back on the right track, won't He? And He's trying to reason with Him here. And He's saying... Cain, you know, what, what are you upset about? You know, because in other words, what Cain had done, I, I believe that Cain had just given him the scraps. In other words, he didn't, he didn't take the best of his harvest and bring it to him. And Abel did. Abel had so many sheep. And I'm taking liberties here, but this is what I believe happened. And Abel had a heart for God. And he picked the very best lamb that he had. But I don't think that his brother did that. I think he brought him something because he felt like he had to or he was supposed to. He had a religious spirit. And his brother was doing it out of a good heart. And God sees that. He doesn't miss anything. And he's like, wait, don't get upset. In other words, there's forgiveness. And if you just go do right, you're still going to be all right. And so, so that was reasonable. And God was... You know, there's a place where God says, come, let's reason together. And he was being reasonable with this young man and trying to help him. He was trying to educate him and try to get him to repent, maybe of his wrong mindedness or his wrong motivation. You know, why are you angry? If you do well, you'll be okay. Then Cain spoke to Abel, his brother. And when they were in the field, Cain rose up against his brother Abel and killed him. Now, isn't that crazy? Isn't that crazy? Jealous. Because he had done a good thing and he had done a bad thing. And instead of just repenting and say, man, I should have done like you, brother. You gave the best. And I see that that pleases God. And now, you know what? I'm happy for you. And you know what? Next time, watch though. I'm going to outgive you. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give God my best. And that's a, that's a good kind of a competition. You know what I mean? If it's fun like that. But instead... He resented him for it. He was embarrassed. He was ashamed. He was angry and he was discouraged. And it caused all sorts of sin to rise up in his heart. And he killed his brother. Then the Lord said to Cain, where is Abel your brother? He said, I do not know. Am I my brother's keeper? Ooh, sarcastic and smart aleck with God. Not good. And the Lord said, what have you done? You know, when God asks you a question, he already knows the answer. (laughs) You know, one thing I always uh, learned when I was uh, in the legal system, when I was uh, sitting through all those court cases, you know, the uh, attorneys, they never were supposed to ask questions they didn't know the answer to. And you would see some of the, the young foolish ones get excited sometimes and they thought they had somebody and they asked a question and it ended up backfiring on them because they didn't really know the right answer and they shouldn't ask the question. But God always knows. <laughs> Amen. He's the greatest counselor there is. He's our advocate. He's, he's with us and for us, but he knows all the answers. He, he knows everything about you and he loves you anyway. He says, what have you done? The voice of your brother's blood is crying out to me from the ground. And now you're cursed from the ground, which has opened its mouth to receive your brother's blood from your hand. So he threw everything away. And you know, God was even merciful to him after that. 
he he was cursed, but he he sent him out and he he pr- protected him. He he no one was allowed to kill him or harm him, and and God still talked with him. And so, God is just always merciful. Grace is always God's motive. You know, He is always trying to uh, be good to us when we allow Him. But the problem is, Cain felt sorry for himself, and he he gave in to anger. He was full of self-pity and he shouldn't have done that. He he did what I think it's so easy for us to do and we we do even if we don't want to admit it. If we're taking lessons from the Bible, we we exaggerate our problems, make them bigger than they are. And we we go about seeking a, a quick easy solution to our problems without considering the consequences. And so we need to learn from all these characters in the Bible. That's what they're there for. God didn't put stories about these people in here to embarrass them, but to help us. No doubt. Amen. <laughs> so I have other stories and examples that we can use, but I think we'll just start on those next week to start off and we'll continue on this path as we go into something else. But I want to show you maybe another example of someone who was filled with self-pity. And then we'll look at the opposite of that. Amen. Someone who stood in faith even when I think all of us would have maybe got off into self-pity. And the fact is, it's important that we always be thankful. Instead of feeling sorry for ourselves. Because when we do feel sorry for ourselves, it's always going to have negative results. You can call it anything you want. Discouragement, being fainting in our hearts or minds, uh, our face being cast down. It's all being discouraged. It's all the same sin of self-pity. And it's always going to bring negative results in our life. A lot of times we can... There's so many different areas, so many different layers of pride that sometimes they're hard to recognize. Sometimes we get so dis- we get discouraged because we feel like we're doing so much. We do everything. You hear some person say that. Kids do that a lot. I do everything. He don't do nothing. He don't help me. He doesn't. But we can do that as adults as well, and we can get be so busy doing all these things that we don't realize that we've gotten a martyr's complex, and we're. We're now, we're burned out and we're discouraged and angry because we've done so much without any help. And what we're not recognizing is that we got involved in doing a lot of things that God didn't ask us to do. And we can end up with that martyr's complex. And I've known many, many people like that. And really, they're thinking they're overworked. God is not going to give you more than you can handle He's not going to give you more than your share. And he's not going to fail to reward you for doing anything that he's asked you to do. And he's not going to allow you. You won't be able to at the end of the day say, God, I didn't have time to do everything you called me to do today. There's something wrong there. Some of it he didn't ask us to do. (laughs) And he'll help us with that if we'll humble ourselves and go and ask him. Because we don't, a lot of time when we get into that martyr's mentality, we don't want to think 
that there's a possibility that we're the ones that are wrong when we're the ones, after all, that are doing everything and all the lazy people around us aren't doing anything. God says, no, I want you to look at you and I want you to ask me what it is that you're doing that I haven't asked you to do. And then I want you to come and celebrate with me the things that you have done that I've asked you to do and not throw it in other people's faces. And sometimes it can be hard <laughs> on those that, of us that act a little self-righteous from time to time. But it's important that we'll go and let him correct us like that with the word. Because we can get so, um, so aware of other people's faults that we're not mindful of our own. And that's, that's when we get off into some problems with God. So anyway, whatever it is that causes this discouragement, because you get into resent, resentment and unforgiveness at the same time, and that we know is not going to go anywhere. It's not an option uh, for Christians to get into unforgiveness and bitterness. And that's what, that, that's what anger is, and that's what, that's what discouragement and self-pity brings upon us. So we need to learn to forgive and forgive quickly. And be free. Live the free life that God has died to provide us with. Amen? Amen. All right. Lord, thank you so much for loving us, for blessing us with your precious word. We thank you, Lord, for making us aware of the sin of fainting in our hearts and minds. The sin of discouragement. The sin of self-pity. The sin of discouragement that you've made us aware of today lord we want to be able to resist the devil regarding this so make us aware of all the different disguises that this sin can wear so that we are able to recognize it and do away with it so when we get discouraged we will not allow self-pity to come in and take root in our hearts and to cause us to cast down our our face or to feel sorry for ourselves and we will only be thankful in every situation even when it looks bad because we're not living by what we see but what we know to be true according to your word and we know that you will make everything regarding us beautiful in its time and so we thank you God that you are aware of everything to do with your children, that you care for us, that you love us, you will never leave us or forsake us. All of the promises that you have made regarding anyone or anything in, in your word are yes and amen for the children of God. And that's what we are. Help us to mature from being infants and children in spiritual diapers to be grown adults, strong in the word and strong in faith. Trusting in you and knowing that you love us and that everything good comes from you. And help us to never doubt your goodness and love for us, Lord. So that we can be strong, that we can receive the help that you have for us. The healing for every area of our lives. Healing for everywhere we hurt. Spiritually, physically, emotionally, financially. For empowering us empowering us with your Holy Spirit where you've placed everything 
All of your power and authority is within us and you've given us the authority in the name of Jesus to use it against the power of the devil. Help us to walk in victory in this area of our lives. To walk in love, knowing that you love us. We love you because you first loved us and gave your son for us. And we thank you, Lord, for prospering us in every area. And once we're helped and strong, help us to help others, Lord, with the same help that we have received from you. We love you, Lord, and we thank you for showing us and teaching us about your amazing love and provision for our lives. In Jesus' name, amen.